Welcome to the Legendarium. Uh, how about now? How's, does that sound better? Sounds the same. Sounds the same to us. Uh, let's hope it works this time. Take two. Welcome back to the Legendarium. <laughs> we, Ryan and I just had uh, about a six or seven minute discussion, uh, and then I looked at at my software here, and it said that we'd only been talking for a minute, and sure enough, chipmunks couldn't have even understood us. It was... Yeah, that was an interesting, uh, very high-pitched playback on there. And really, it's sad because it was the most deep and uh, most pontificating I've ever done in the Silmarillion. <laughs> uh, so... Let's rehash a little bit of what we just talked about that people have not yet heard. Um, this is the fourth episode in our Silmarillion series. It is the 98th episode overall. That's so many episodes. I know. We're getting very close to that Magic 100 mark, which in television allows you to be syndicated and make money when you stop working. And in podcasting means, no. yeah, no, still nobody's listening to you, so you should really <laughs> just stop this. So. Um, no, I... Uh, it is going to be the 100th episode soon, and so I'm sure there will be a big celebratory blowout, and we'll invite all sorts of panelists and guests, and maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll do something live, maybe we'll maybe we'll do nothing at all, maybe we'll just air some silence as a reward for having had to listen to us for 99 episodes, but the point uh, being that the 100th episode I'm sure will be very big, this one uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep it small. We're going back to our roots. You'll notice I am not insulting anybody today because the room is empty save for me and Ryan. So Which, I- when it comes to Tolkien discussions, that's still pretty empty because it's just you in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. No, it's um, this is how we did it with the uh, the Lord of the Rings discussions. For the most part, we did have guests in there and people skyped in and. Uh, one of my favorite episodes we ever did was the final Lord of the Rings one with Larry Curtis. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, the Lord of the Rings episodes were just the two of us. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, getting back to our roots, I, I thought it would be kind of fun to do it this way. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the way we did it before. I have not read this and you have read it a lot. So I think we're using the same mics, but everything else about what we're doing is upgraded. Yeah. In the last 97 episodes. That seems about right. So, credit card statement says that's about right. Too. Yeah, seriously. Uh, speaking of which, if you would like to support the <laughs> Legendarium podcast, please go to imzy.com slash legendarium uh, and join the community there. And you can tip the community. When you do that, it goes to the Legendarium podcast. And we will use that to offset the cost of some of the, the equipment, uh, the software, the time and preparation that goes into this it is no small thing uh and so hopefully you guys have been enjoying it we certainly enjoy making it and we will do it for free for as long as we are able however we would love your help uh whatever you can give go to imzy.com slash legendarium and tip the community there we would love your support anything you can give whether it's a dollar or eighty thousand we will accept your donation probably not eighty thousand i would question that that'd be weird we should as long as it's not from a nigerian prince somewhere <laughs> that's true i don't know maybe we have a really big following in, in some <laughs> other countries um so uh speaking of online stuff you should also follow us on facebook partly because that is where i posted the last uh, craig's lord of the rings trivia quiz uh, Ryan, did you take that quiz yet? Yes, yes, I did. And how'd you do? I got a twelve out of twenty. Hey, that's pretty darn good. It, it is, it, except for the fact that these are all questions you've asked me before. If you go back to our, <laughs> yeah, 80, when we did the two eighty choices. episodes ago, yeah, I go would, back eighty episodes. And I, I, when I took the quiz, there were moments where I legitimately went back to our episodes in my mind and went, "Oh yeah, I remember Craig." Giving me crap for not knowing Third Marshal of the Rittermark or something like that. So I was like, ah, I know that one. I know that one. Um, And I still fell for your trick question on fellowship. Oh, which one was that? Uh, Frodo bought a house or bought a hobbit hole in Crick Hollow. And I still fell for it. I fell for it the first time. I fell for it the second time. So (laughs) it was a house, not a hobbit hole. Yeah. Um, If you go to thelegendarympodcast.com or find us on Facebook, you can find the quiz that I posted. Uh, I did one for Fellowship, one for Two Towers, I'll do one for Return of the King, uh, and then I'm still debating whether I'll do one for the Silmarillion episodes that we've done. That just seems cruel, honestly. Mm-hmm. 
but I know some people really like it. There, there are a few. There was one early on who made a comment on Facebook that ah, I only got five out of twenty, and this is all worthless trivia anyway. Uh-huh. And I'm like, exactly, it's trivia. That's the definition. It's worthless. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but it is fun, and there are people who are succeeding. We have got. We've had one person get a perfect score so far that is posted on there. And I, oh man, I have a hard time believing that. But to be fair, if I were taking this quiz cold, there's a chance that I would get close to, if not a perfect score. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes people are just that, that crazy like I am. We also appreciate you posting the uh, the photo evidence of your 20 out of 20. It also <laughs> helped us notice a typo in our... In oh, our that's piece. right. <laughs> hey, we don't talk about typos. I, I never make mistakes. Uh, let's see. Anything else before we talk about the Silmarillion? Uh, no, let's, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's get into this. Now, in honor of our old Lord of the Rings, Just Me and You episodes, I do have five questions. Oh, joy. One from each chapter? Nope. Nope. Oh, okay. Five questions. And I was, it, because I've been doing these online quizzes and I, I have finally realized just how ridiculous that trivia was I was giving you. I really took it easy on you this time. I'll still only get 2.14 <laughs> right out of it. All right, let's see what you got. Question number one, the Silmarils shine with an inner light. Where did that light come from? The two trees of Vyayananiwia, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The two trees of Valinor. Valinor, Valinor. is not that oh, weird Valinor. name. For some reason, I was thinking like Vienna or something like that. Uh, I will not ask you. I will just tell you. The names of those trees are Laurelin and Telperion. Uh, Laurelin yes. is the golden one. Telperion is the silver one. The, and Telperion uh, is where we get the white tree of Gondor. And, well, the white tree of Numenor and then Gondor. And it's they're all descended from that tree. That's a terrible pitch for a Middle Earth sitcom. Two trees, families. Anyway, move on. Okay. Next question. Question <laughs> number two. How many sons did Feanor have? Uh, a, oh, wait, Feanor? Feanor. Uh, seven? Seven is correct. Seven. Can you name any of them? Um, uh, nope. No, that's okay. There's Maedhros, Maglor, Kelegorm, Caranthir, Kurufin, Amrod, and Amras. The last two are twins. Ah. Fun fact for you, Kurufin, uh, the fifth son of Feanor, is the father of Celebrimbor. And you ah, know Celebrimbor I because do. you played Shadow, Shadow of Mordor. Mordor. Yeah, Celebrimbor helped uh, Sauron to forge the Rings of Power. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so there you go. He's the grandson of Feanor. That's crazy. Uh, all right, here we go. Question number three. There are three elven kindreds. The Vanyar are the suck-ups. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm thinking of like high school classes, I guess. They're the suck-ups. The Noldor are the builders and the makers. What is the third group and or what is their defining characteristic? I want to say it's like Tildian or... You got the T right. The T, it's T-I some consonant, the, the, I something. The t- the Teleri. Teleri. Um, What's their shtick? Their shtick. They're not the water-loving ones, are they? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, they're the water-loving yeah, yeah. ones. Yeah, They live on the shore. They, they were the last ones to come to Valinor. They dwelt on the Lonely Isle for a while, and then they came over. But then they still didn't go live with everybody else. They stayed on the shore and... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yep, that's them. They're uh, shipbuilders. Olmey or, or wow, Olmeys or something like they're. Yeah, he's their he's their kind of like guardian god or something. Like their patron saint of there the Valor. Exactly. Uh, Melkor didn't dare attack the sacred trees himself, so he enlisted the aid of whom? A spider, and the name is the the elvish root for spider. You should know this. Kirith Ungol. There, uh, Ungol. Ungol. Yeah, I, had to, I had to go about through the... So Ungoliant. Ungoliant, that's right. Is the name of sort of the mother of all spiders. Yes, who eats light and poops darkness. <laughs> Pretty much. You put it so eloquently. Well, it's... You're it's elevating, elevating the conversation for sure. Uh, all right, describe for me the Oath of Feanor. Mm, can't do it. Can't do it. Okay, mm-hmm. so the Oath of Feanor is after Melkor has stealing, stealing, stealing. Did I just say that? Uh, stolen. stolen the Silmarils. <coughs> uh, he swears by the by the precious. By the, no, <laughs> <laughs> that the darkness will. It's the the darkness that's overcome Valinor will take him and his if they don't 
uh, get them back or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, so he says uh, basically that his soul is forfeit if at any point he, uh, he... He basically says that he and his sons take the oath as well, but he will pursue to the ends of the earth anyone who keeps a Silmaril from his possession. Mm. And and if he breaks his oath, then you know darkness darkness take me. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but he swears on the name of Iru Iluvatar, a big no no. Oh, I see. Yeah, and so it's uh, it is not not an oath to be taken lightly, nor can he escape from it. And and like I said, his seven sons all take the oath as well. Does Iru Iluvatar have those Ten Commandment type deals? Like, don't use my name when you're swearing things and stuff like that i don't know okay i I mean there's no tablets if that's what you're asking (laughs) (laughs) but uh i i again uh, this was only five questions and i still didn't keep track i am unbelievable four or five four or five ish there's it's questionable some whether i got a couple of those right i I didn't get the last one yeah anyway good work maybe three but uh okay was that any easier than my previous trivia yes yes i will say that is that one was easier also oh, due to the freshness with which I have reviewed this. <laughs> so uh, that's as far as we're going to go is basically to the oath of Feanor and his sons and the and and how they leave Valinor. That's as far as we're going in this discussion. Uh, but that really, uh, the reason I wanted you to read this one next instead of some of the other ones like Turin or, uh, or Turgon or some of the other uh, really cool individual stories is because... Um, this is really the hinge of the entire story. Everything that everything bad and many of the good things that come out of the second half of the Silmarillion or the second two thirds or whatever comes from this moment and this oath that they take. Mm-hmm. So anyway, okay. Uh, so yeah, what did you think in broad terms of these chapters? Chapters? What did we do? Five, five through nine. nine. Um, in general, I enjoyed the story. It did have a little bit of. <laughs> At first, I, the first go through for me here was a little bit of uh, as Middle Earth turns the Feanor Chronicles <laughs> for me. Just because um, I don't know, it was just one of those moments where it's like just a little communication would have solved a lot of this. You know, pulling a sword on your brother or your half brother. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen. You know, the this one prisoner. You know, the Melkor, the prisoners. Uh, well, we probably shouldn't trust them, but we're going to anyway. Right. You know, a lot of little soap opera-y moments that make... Make for great drama. Make for great drama. Yeah. Yeah. But all in all, actually very enjoyable, uh, very enjoyable read with the exception of Chapter 5. Um, so the, tell, tell me more about that. Chapter 5, What uh, I'm trying to remember. It's just all about, uh, oh, about kind of how the elves got there and how they split into different groups. And So after a, after having a short discussion with you about Chapter 5, the, the way to summarize Chapter 5 to me is here's the different types of elves here's the ones you need to know here's the ones you need to know and that you're going to follow and um there's an island out here like there's i just <laughs> i kept going through and i felt i it felt very much like a bible read to me it's probably one of you know those begat begat you know and so begat so begat so begat type things um so i i had a hard time moving past chapter or getting through uh, chapter five thankfully it's not too long this whole section really isn't that long yeah I, I oh. think uh, it's nice when you get past chapter five because we don't have anybody to pay attention to. It's all just scene setting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, you can go to go to college, go get your MFA, learn how to write novels. And the first thing that they'll tell you is don't do this. Mm-hmm. You need to have a character to follow and, you know, things happen to them. You need a, a you need a point of reference for the reader. And we have none here. And so it's it's a bit like drawing a map with words instead of lines, right? <laughs> and it's so it's not terribly interesting to read. It is important information if you want to get the breadth of the whole story and understand the things that are going on with different characters and know, okay, well, who's why who's Ingwei and who's his nephew and why are these half brothers and fighting and but mm-hmm. eventually chapter six you do get to kind of uh home in on Feanor mm-hmm. and his story at least for the next four chapters and so that makes it I think easier to follow right yeah I definitely agree with that and then some of my favorite novels uh recently actually have they suffer from a similar setup where you don't know who you're following at the beginning oh like what 
Uh, well, Stormlight. Oh, for example, okay. The first few chapters of Stormlight, you're jumping all over the place, and you don't know where you're going to go until you finally kind of settle into the perspectives, and you finally figure, okay, here's the people I'm following. Right. Um, so thankfully, I mean, this is only a couple pages versus, you know, a couple chapters. So uh, chapter five, like I said, was tough for me. But once we get into Feanor and his story, um, I have to admit, I don't know that I like Feanor. Oh, you're not supposed to. Okay, good. Yeah, he's kind of a wank. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but he's really, really smart and capable yeah, and, he's and uh, charismatic. Kind of a, an elven savant in, in his creation and stuff uh, that he that he makes. I mean, that's why he's able to make the Silmarils right. is because of his, his level. But, I mean, even in his uh, very short little origin story, his mother, Muriel? Something like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna feel very proud of myself if I got that right. <laughs> it says after she has him, like I can't have any more kids. To, I've put too much of myself into this child, and I I couldn't have another one. Like that's a check it out. Ah, that's right, Mariel. That stupid thing in the back of the book that I wish I would have known about. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. So sorry. Go on. Origin story. Yeah. So he, we get this. We already know that there's something different about him because he has a, he has even more of the spirit. So much so of the spirit of his mother that she ends up going to Lorien and dying. Lay, dying in the garden. It's it's the most literal interpretation of the phrase "give up the ghost" uh-huh. that I've seen in literature. She lays in the garden and her to take a nap, and then her spirit goes off to the halls of Mandos. Mandos. Yes. That's right. Nice. Slowly, this is creeping into my vocabulary. I know. I know. I'm going to get you. One of these days, you're going to say the words Halls of Mandos, and I won't even be near you, and and you're going to you're just going to weep. Well, what it'll be is that I'll be walking along, and someone will make some comment about the Lord of the Rings, something, and be like, well, the reason that is, just I'll jump into their conversation completely out of the blue, and I'll be like, what has happened to me? The process has ruined me. Uh. <laughs> Funny. Uh, that reminds me. Um, I was... I, I posed a question on Imzy, basically like, at what point is it sad when you just know so much about a certain subject? And I asked people what uh, what subject they just knew everything about. Uh, because earlier that day, or maybe the day before, my brother had texted me. He was sitting down with his uh, eight-year-old, nine-year-old son, and they were watching The Fellowship of the Ring. And uh, somewhere along the line, his son says, hey, Dad, why doesn't Sauron turn invisible when he puts the ring on and my brother's like well geez i don't know let's text your uncle craig and so he texts <laughs> me and i didn't it didn't occur to me that it was weird that i had an answer actually there is no uh, like definitive definitive answer but i had two theories right off the top of my head that are both really plausible and i just fired those off and it took me like four full texts you know because there's a lot of explanation to go mm-hmm. and uh and i sent those off and then i stopped and went oh my gosh the, yeah it's at what point is it sad i don't know i don't feel like i've gotten there yet but maybe i'm approaching it all, all you need to do to legitimize it is we just need to create an honorary university or degree of some kind that you can just say it's okay i have a degree in <laughs> in this so then people are like oh i see you're a specialist and an expert in the area then it's okay then it's uh, yeah exactly um some of the, ah, no, never mind. I don't want to go off on that tangent. Anyway, anymore. back to the Silmarillion. Back to the Silmarillion. Back to the Chronicles of Feanor. Um, and, yeah. Anything else you want to say about the savant of uh, of the elves? Well, I'm I'm glad to know that I wasn't supposed to like him. Um, I'm kind of curious. Maybe you'll have some more information. Uh, just not having read other stories in here. How much does he does he specifically affect stories down the road, or is it more just his kids? Or it, it's um. What's a good parallel? I don't need a parallel. None. He he is going to leave the story in short order. Okay. But his seven sons, they this this whole Silmarillion up and from here until we get to where we were last time with Akalabeth and the Numenorians. From here to there, it's all about this family and the, well, all the Noldor really. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly this family and and how they deal with each other and 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 Morgoth. Yeah, I actually that was an, that's another thing that I kind of I mean we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but um, this is where he actually gets his name Morgoth, right, right here because before he's just Mel just Melkor before, um, which again this is you know six names for everything <laughs> deal, just two for this guy Melkor and Morgoth, right, right, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, Simply, I mean, just 
I don't remember. Does he list out the the meaning of Morgoth? Mor- it's like black foe of the world or something like that. I know foe of the world is in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just I really liked it because Melkor is already a, a really um, a fantastic uh, evil bad, wizard, guy name. bad guy name. Yeah, I agree. So let's add- let's look up Morgoth. Um, oh, Morgoth, dark enemy. Dark enemy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that wasn't, oh, black foe of the world. Yeah. Or dark enemy of the world. Uh, so there you go. That's Morgoth. Uh, yeah, he's, he gets some good moments in here. And as, as a new reader to this, my question, I think in a lot of questions that a lot of people in my situation would have is we know that Melkor Morgoth is Sauron's advisor. <laughs> his uh, his Sauron sure. is the protege. He's his mentor. Yeah, right. Morgoth For some reason, I've got mentor. like this college advisor thing. Like <laughs> Sauron comes in. <laughs> well, but... I mean, when you when you come to Legendarium University <laughs> and get your get your Tolkienology degree, you can have Melkor as your as your uh, student aide or whatever. <laughs> um, He's the head of House Slytherin, I think. <laughs> oh wait, that's something else. So uh, Sauron is not in the picture at all yet. Um, no, he's been mentioned. I think he was mentioned in the chapters that we read a long time ago, like in chapter three or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, so he's, he's around, we know he's there, but no, he's not like side by side palling around. Cause for me, the thing I've found right now for my, for my initial encounter with the Silmarillion, what I want to know most is how this connects to the stories I know. Okay. Uh, these are these have been fantastic stories on their own. Like they're very very mm-hmm. uh, enjoyable and very uh, unique. But I want to know how this affects Frodo and how this affects Rapier. And so, getting to like being that I know that these characters have some connections helps me a bit. Yeah. But like this whole story with Feanor, how does this affect the Lord of the Rings? That's a good question. Um, it, it, and I don't think it has a really short answer. Uh, it's a bit like saying, you know, if we take the story of Moses at face value, like, how does that affect us now? Well, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it, deeply, but how do you explain that? Um, as far as connections go, obviously, we, we've mentioned Morgoth being the advisor of uh, Sauron, Ungoliant being the mother of Shelob. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do get our first glimpse of Galadriel here. And, and I think from this, we can start to gain some perspective on Galadriel's motivations in the Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings, why she, uh, why she and the rest of the elves are tired and ready to depart Middle Earth, why they're leaving, why they make some of the decisions they do vis-a-vis the other peoples of Middle Earth and the rings and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So we don't get a lot of her, but just by virtue of the fact that she's with this group uh, and is in the leadership of this group, you know, we can start to get some insight into what must be going through her mind, right? Okay, I can see that. Um, oh, and then there's also this. Um, there's, I, I know this line is in the movie. I can't remember if it's actually in the book. I think it is, but uh, Gandalf at some point says, if Sauron gets a hold of the ring, he'll finally have enough power to cover all the lands in a second darkness. Oh, okay. There's that line, and you're just left to wonder, well, what was the first darkness? Here it is. Uh, yes, Ungoliant poop. <laughs> <laughs> Again, elevating the conversation. Yes, thank you. That's, that's what I do. I make it, bring it to a new level, make it accessible to, uh, to the common folk here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who live downstream, apparently. Apparently. Uh, yeah, th- so I don't know if that answers any of your question. Like, there are little things to be gained or to be gleaned from this, but uh, but I don't know that it's it's as neat as saying, well, this caused that and this caused that. Right. We're not looking at a direct parallel, a direct line to what's occurring. This is all, uh, these are all things that happen that affect it, but are not necessarily direct causes. Um, um, there's a... Also, by by way of just kind of coloring the the scenery in the Lord of the Rings, I already mentioned that Curufin was the father of Celebrimbor, mm-hmm. and so why was Celebrimbor so great at at crafting things, at building things, at making these rings? And it's because of his heritage as one of the Noldor, who are known as great craftsmen and jewelers and all that. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. Uh, I think it's also interesting. Uh, one thing that I thought that kind of caught my attention, um, and it's in uh, 
Is it of the Darkening in Valinor? Eh, who cares? Anyway, uh, was that the relationship between the, I believe it's the, the Noldor and the El- and the Dwarves was actually quite good um, for a period there where they actually had the Dwarves making... I don't think we've gotten there yet. Did I read Did too you, far? You read ahead. Yeah, you went ahead. The last thing, and and I, I believe me, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> That's great. But the last thing in Chapter 9 was when... Um, so Feanor has landed in Middle Earth with his family, and then they burn the ships of the Teleri. Yeah. Instead of going back and ferrying the other people across, and then right. the other houses have to cross the ice up north, and then they get to Middle Earth and blow their horns, and that's the end of the chapter. So okay. you, so you kept reading, but yeah. Anyway, but go on. Oh, yeah, yeah well, dwarves. Sure, let's talk about dwarves. I just uh, for in the series for the most part having them be not good friends it was mm-hmm. just interesting to see that there was a time when they were ad- they admired e- the uh, one another's work and worked together to create you know in d- some way they were kindred spirits yeah 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 it was just kind of cool uh one thing to note that might be difficult to to comprehend on your first time through believe me it took me twice through at least was that after chapter nine we go talk about the Sindarin elves and though they're just a totally different people a totally mm-hmm. different house and you know and so we shift our focus and so i think when it's uh in chapter 10 when it's talking about the relationship with That's... the dwarves it's talking about um thingle and melian mm-hmm. and and their yeah their kingdom in doriath yeah you read ahead okay um and is anyway yeah there's a whole backstory read the book i don't want to go through it <laughs> <laughs> okay so um all right let's let's talk a little bit about some of the some of the nice little lines that tolkien gives us because one of our favorite things uh here at the legendarium is always what does this book do for me what mm-hmm. does it teach me what can i uh you know what can I integrate into my life to make my life better? So I think there were a few of those things. Um, there was, uh, well, at the very end, or close to the very end, when uh, there's the kin- the kinslaying at Alcolonde, uh-huh. when they, they fight the Teleri and steal all their ships. Uh, right before that happens, Feanor accuses Olwe, their leader, of being faithless. You're, you're not a good friend because you're not giving us all your ships. Uh-huh. Well, see, this is why I say he's kind of a wank. <laughs> um, and then always says, we renounce no friendship, but it may be the part of a friend to rebuke a friend's folly. And it's uh, that line, it may be the part of a friend to rebuke a friend's folly. I really like that. Obviously, on its own, it's great. It's kind of just this little uh, helpful turn of phrase that you might hear anywhere. But I appreciate that it was integrated into the book in a really natural way. In a mm-hmm. really natural place. Are we about to have an intervention? Are a bunch of people going to come through the door and you're going <laughs> to <laughs> tell you why? Okay, listen, this is how good a friend I am. Uh-huh. No, it did remind me of, um, <clears throat> I, it, it made me ask myself, like, is this something that we still value or that I value as a person? Or is it more important to us that we have yes men as our friends? People who never, um, you know, ne- never tell us the truth about ourselves or... You know, even if it's not a lie, is are are our friendships made up of simply surface interactions? You know what I mean? Compatible Facebook profiles. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, there. There was an awful, awful movie that I saw recently called The Lobster, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and one of the things about this is that people get matched up based on the most superficial of of uh criteria mm-hmm. so it's like oh you you get nosebleeds so do i let's get married like that kind of thing uh-huh anyway point Artsy. point being you know how do we actually treat our friendships and are we willing to be honest with each other and to accept somebody else's honesty you know friends don't let friends walk around the whole day with their fly down you know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or with food in their teeth but a best friend will make sure to get pictures of it and <laughs> put you in very awkward positions. Well, anyway, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and I I really like that uh, that concept, and I think that friendships that that last and have value will will fit that criteria um, because it being willing to give the rebuke is and deal with the potential repercussions is the measurement there that says, hey, I, I value this enough to be willing to risk it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's a, a very nice 
very nice way in the story to to showcase that um I have one quote, or I have one little section here on the other side that apparently a lot of people like because it's marked, it's pre-marked in my book. In, oh, in, in the Kindle. In the Kindle. <laughs> That's why I don't read the Kindle one on this. Um, but I loved it, and I think that it fits really well as a commentary, an unintentional commentary on our current society. It says, but he that sows lies in the end shall not lack of a harvest, and soon he may rest from the toil indeed while others reap and sow in his stead. Even Melkor found some ears that would heed him, and some tongues that would enlarge what they had heard, and that and his lies passed from friend to friend, as secrets of which the knowledge proves the teller wise. Bitterly did the Noldor atone for the folly of their open ears in the days of that in the days that followed after. Um, I recently clicked on a link. I got clickbaited into a link that was said, "Hey, there's an asteroid headed towards Earth in two. You know, that's going to hit us in two weeks or whatever. It's going to cause massive damage." And I'm like, "There's no way this is real." But I clickbaited it in. You read about a paragraph and a half into the article, and it says, "This is part of a study to showcase that people share without actually reading." Or you know, it's part of it was part of so if you read this, don't share it. Don't share it. Type thing, and. I went through and I realized just how much of our current conversation in our current society is based off of just the just that sharing of information that someone else put out there without checking it at all that Melkor masters in this story and is how he's able to actually drive this wedge between Feanor and his step family Mm -hmm. to the point where he actually puts a blade to his half brother's chest and says, if you ever try and take the love of my father or my place again, this will rid us of you know, this point will be sharper than your tongue and will rid us of... Uh, Dang, you, you did read this. I'm impressed. Yeah, it happens occasionally. Um, I was, I which, again, don't like Feanor much, but I loved that part. I oh, just, yeah. Visually, he's a, he's was, a great character. Yeah. Even if you don't like him. He's like Walter White. <laughs> if Oh, you've never seen that, Confession, yeah. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> man. I know I just lost some credibility to some people out there, but I have not watched Breaking Bad. Yeah, you will. I'm sure, yeah. It's <laughs> it's too well uh, well received for me not to. But it's, uh, yeah, I just realized that having this be written when it was, that we are currently dealing with a lot of this. Uh, How, reaping uh, a harvest that was sown by someone much further up the line for, for the intent, for the sole purpose and intent of sowing discord. Yeah, yeah. Or, or for, in, in the case of the elves, because, you know, most of uh, certainly you and I and I'm sure most of the people listening don't go around intentionally spreading lies to sow discord like that's that's not a thing we're more we're in the position of the elves who hear it and pass it along and it made me think as I was reading this uh, I was reading this section and I thought how would that actually work what would Melkor actually say how would it go and how often has have you or I or anybody heard something or or just no in 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 fact just thought something i think this is probably true and then you say something like i read mm-hmm. or i heard or you know instead of saying i wonder if you you try to give yourself some authority yeah and so i want you know i wonder if melkor could have done something as simple as that just oh you know i heard somewhere that this and this then you know he's he's giving himself some authority and deflecting eventual blame off of himself right when somebody mm-hmm. when somebody says well, where'd you hear that well a friend of a friend of a you know, evil dark lord whatever yeah uh so yeah i wonder something like that and maybe that's a, a way that we need to check ourselves stop Stop saying, stop trying to give yourself uh, authority when you have none. Or at least own up to it being this, you know, just this is how I feel about something like that. I know yeah. I know there have been uh, a couple times in um, certain instances where I've I felt that I had a, a pearl of wisdom to share. But knowing the group I was with and saying that it came, came that it comes from me would have pretty much just made it like pointless. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say like, you know, I once had a really wise friend say, or I once heard, you know, had someone tell me this. And I've totally done that a few times yeah. to, to lend credence and, and validity. To, oh, I know I've done it to my, to my argument. Yeah. So I, we all do it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so did you catch the, um, the, it's a wonderful life moment in <laughs> this one? I always like that lesson. That no, it's not better if you weren't born. Um, what section is this? So at a certain point, um, 
it, in the text we hear that some say it would have been better if Fingolfin and Finarfin, uh, Feanor's half-brothers, had never been born because Feanor was jealous of them and their mother, Indis, and, uh, and, and they were... So, so there was a lot of strife from that relationship. And if they hadn't been born, it's possible that he wouldn't have taken the oath uh, you know, maybe, maybe the Silmarils would have never been stolen. You know, a lot of this stuff might never have happened if those two weren't there. And, uh, and Tolkien says, you know, it's really tempting to think that. However, uh, the line was, uh, something about how they were great in their way too. And without them, the history of the Eldar would be diminished. Um, that they, they did end up contributing a lot that just because bad things happened, um, around them didn't make it their fault. Mm-hmm. And they did uh, many great deeds to, you know, to make their lives worthwhile. And anyway, it's so it reminded me a little bit. And obviously, it's a it's a different angle on the it's a wonderful life lesson. <laughs> but I've always loved that lesson. You know, I don't care who you are. You're worth something. It would be it'd be a very different version of it's a wonderful life <laughs> running around in Middle Earth. <laughs> Martha, Martha. Uh, OK. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, I've got more. On the other hand, um, there's another lesson. I seem to be more attracted to the to the uh, lessons of the villains and the the bad side of things. Um, Let, let's pretend that doesn't mean anything. Just just for a little bit. I'll yeah, sure. Talk, I'll talk to my psychiatrist later. <laughs> Maybe we can find Matt Woolley and get him to come on and talk to me. Um, Melkor is so consumed with his desire for the Silmarils, that he is willing to endure immense physical pain uh, just to have them. Uh, He is literally charred and burnt by holding them because they were blessed. Right, it's it's holy light. Yeah, and he just, his hollow emptiness inside that makes him so jealous and needing of whatever happiness others have uh, leads him to put the Silmarils in an iron crown uh, that he can wear, even though he has been horribly scorched and burnt by them. Um, and you would most of us, if something was painful or whatever, we would, you know, after the, just a moment of being in pain of it, would just say it's not worth it. Right. He, on the other hand, is so consumed by this need to have them that the pain becomes almost this uh, this badge of honor. For lack of a better term, that he's got to have them because he's already paid this big of a price for them. So might as well keep going. Might as well just keep going. Might as well, you know, I don't care if it's if it hurts every time I touch them. They will be mine. Um, I say when you say that, I hear Wayne Campbell from Wayne's World in my head. They will be mine again. (laughs) Oh yes. Anyway, I don't own a gun, let alone many guns, necessitating an entire rack. Ah, great. great Sorry about that. Um, But. I have wondered if there are things in in my life or, you know, just do a little reality check that I am willing to suffer so much or I want so bad that I suffer to have them yeah. when really I like could a pr- podcast. <laughs> Craig, I didn't want to I didn't want to, you know, do this on the air, but no, I've, I've just been kind of looking at some of the some of the things that I've that I have going on in my life and like. How much do I suffer for this? Um, and how much do I get from it? What would be more likely for us? Would it be material possessions, like a, a thing? Or would it be, um, gosh, my my love of Tolkien, for instance, or your love of theater, where mm-hmm. these things can really start taking up a lot of our time and money and uh, attention? You know, is that kind of more along the lines of what you're thinking of? Uh, the, the, that would fit. Um, the one challenge to that is... What what did Melkor get out of having the Silmaril uh, out of having the Silmarils a, a shiny crown? Well, sure, but I you know I was thinking about this too because it and I came at it from a little bit different angle. I came at it from the oath. Um, the oath seems crazy. Like mm-hmm. why why would you do this? They're just jewels. They're uh, I mean they may be very pretty, sure, but you know lots of jewels are pretty why are you being this crazy but then you back up and say no it's not that crazy because you think about um real world religious relics or or at least what we consider (laughs) what we consider you know religious religious relics whether or not they exist and make no mistake this is a religious 
uh, thing for the elves. They just happen mm-hmm. to live with their gods, basically, right? Yeah. Um, but if uh, y- if you had the uh, Holy Grail, yeah, you know that's that's what my mind jumped to. Or you know, if I don't know if it exists, I I don't think it does. But if you had the original Quran, like mm-hmm. that's not just a book; it's so much more. Yeah, it it represents uh, you know power and prestige and and all that stuff. The items themselves have only minimal value. It's the value that it's we the content that, that we put on them as representations of other things, and in that sense, yeah, I you know I could I can see I can see the value, but I I don't know just me individually. I have a hard time ascribing such great love to an item or to an to a sign or relic. I, someone will probably come along and prove me wrong on that, but that I'm. Yeah, you you don't feel like you're as beholden. I don't beholden. feel that attachment to that to to something like that, right? Um, despite my love of my iPad and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> what about an idea, though? I I take the idea of safe freedom. I hold mm-hmm. that I hold that as as one of the highest ideals possible. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, does that take the place of an idol or uh, or a you know a Silmaril? I, I don't think so. It'd be interesting to... <laughs> I don't think so, but... Uh, attach your own idea, or what What would be your Silmarils? What would make you take an oath that strong to to right. go hunt it down or to to do that? It's interesting. Um, I, I honestly, I, this is me. I, I'm not trying to be... We're really stumbling over our words for the last five minutes. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. I'm, I don't know what the word is here. I, this is an honest uh, thought that I had in my car while I was driving around the other day is that I don't understand freedom. What it actually is. What it actually, for example, you know. And it's the, one of the things that Feanor uses to convince the elves to leave Valinor. He says, you're not free here. Mm-hmm. It may be miserable over there as we wage war on Morgoth, but you will be free. Yeah, and I, it really it came from a discussion from listening to someone talk about um america being the the you know the freest country in the world or whatever which sure fine I, maybe i i don't know what that looks like in other places so i i imagine to myself what would it be like if i was in other places and i'm not jumping far into you know north korea and places like that i'm saying what about other places that have what if, similar what if you lived in england in or england, sweden or france places like that right what does freedom look like there versus here why why am i more free or or would i notice the difference in that, why? How do? How can I value what I have here when I don't understand it very well? Mm. Ooh, man! Oh, we are getting into deep waters. Yeah, we better be careful, or we might say something worthwhile. Yeah, uh, let's not do that. We don't want to set a precedent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that was a thought that I had, and so when when we talk about these Silmarils and being willing to give that, I I don't know many things in that I can think of that would drive me to an oath that strong. Yeah, because and and. Is that is it a good thing that I we don't, don't have know. that, or is it you know, or do we need to have something that we feel that strongly about? I I am more concerned that for me a lack of conviction for something like that because uh-huh. the things that I feel the strongest about are honestly, your iPad, yeah, <laughs> and, and your iPhone. The things that I feel the strongest about, the things that I tend to be willing to stand up and fight a little bit more for, generally most people would not consider worth the fight. I mean, I I I do talk to people about the value of science fiction and fantasy. Part of the reason I, I do this podcast, part of the reason I do, I, I have conversations with people about Star Wars and about Harry Potter and about things like that is because I value what they've brought to my life a lot. Now, I'm not going to go, I don't know that I'm going to swear an oath to <laughs> let darkness come to my soul if... You know, if someone, if I can't get someone to like Harry Potter, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> no, don't do that. I was going to ask you to do it. N- no, but that's, that's the thing. Like I, I just, I couldn't really, when thinking about this, I couldn't really find many things that I felt that strongly about that passionately about. And I think I should find something that I feel that passionate about. Yeah. Why the heck not? I, n- and you can feel that passionately about something without being stupid enough to take uh, an awful oath, you know. Without going into zealotry. Right, exactly. Soccer's the other one. Soccer's the other thing that I... Soccer? Really? 
That, that's another one that I I, am ha- I will have conversations with and I, I understand not everyone understands it and loves it the way I do. <laughs> but so help me, I'm going to make you understand why I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can beat me over the head with a soccer ball and I'll just throw a baseball at your head. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, we've got time for a few more points. Oh, how about this one? Uh, and here's a quote. It seemed to Manwe that the evil of Melkor was cured. This was after he'd been brought in. Uh, to the city for Manwe was free from evil and could not comprehend it and then it goes on to say that Ulmo and Tolkas were not deceived uh, and you know Tolkas would clench his fists whenever Melkor walked by etc etc now read that line again for Manwe was free from evil and could not comprehend it so he thought that Melkor was cured and then we learn that the other gods were not necessarily uh, deceived. Does that mean that Ulmo and Tolkas had some measure of evil in them? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we use the phrase "takes one to know one." <laughs> sure. Uh, the which one was it that couldn't recognize it because he'd had no Manway. Manway. He's the he's the king. Yeah. The king king. There's innocence and naive and naivete. 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 Man, um, we need to teach you French. Yeah, I do. I do. I can't even do good English right now. You're just, you hear everything terrible coming out of my mouth at this moment. Um, they have to have a little bit in them, I believe, to be able to see and recognize what it is in another. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's a large portion or that it's a defining characteristic. It just means that it exists Yeah. there. Yeah. The only way that I could find around that, because I agree, uh, the only thing I could think of was that perhaps... Um, the and in that second sentence does not imply a therefore. Uh, it says, Manwe was free from evil and could not comprehend it. It's possible that those are two separate ideas. He's free from evil. Oh, also, he cannot comprehend evil. Instead of, he's free from evil, therefore he cannot co- comprehend evil. I don't, I don't really buy that, but it is a way for me to say, okay, so Ulmo and Tulkas are not, they have no evil in them either. Uh, you know, because it, it's a little bit troubling to know that uh, there exists in your pantheon of, of good guys, of mm-hmm. gods, these two with the seeds of evil in them somewhere. Well, sure. <laughs> I don't that's, really... That's one thing I've always been... I always get nervous about godlike characters or gods uh, in literature and really actually in anything, anything, period, um, is this idea that these gods are p- the essence of pure good, like that there's nothing else about them but good. I, I don't understand how those gods can watch over a people or care for people or do work as a as a creator figure or as a, a benevolent watcher over or good english again excellent excellent <laughs> love it without understanding the other side of the experience that these people would deal with um so to be entirely free of evil i don't think that's i don't think that would make a good god yeah. um and you, you want to have another long philosophical conversation what makes a god immortality the ability to create what what makes a god in in, in this situation they were the first uh what a the valor oh the first beings the first beings yeah yeah basically and longevity of life i mean that's that's really it is i I don't see any reason why they why having evil in them is a bad thing okay all right i accept uh especially because we're coming up on the end of our time so uh so luckily we don't have time to actually get into that one uh we can save that one for later i'm sure there'll be i'm sure there'll be other times when we discuss gods in <laughs> literature they're kind of a consistent fa- uh, f- figures wow you really are having a tough day <laughs> luckily this isn't episode 100 so yeah uh, anyway, do you have any other bullet points that you would like to bring up or points that you want to go over? I would like to throw out a recommendation, potentially, which, I mean, maybe you'll shoot down. For those who are newer to the Silmarillion and would like to... By which we mean it has not yet been your sixth reading. <laughs> yeah, in which if you're listening to this podcast, there's you're probably not in that category. <laughs> um I actually found a very helpful uh, website called the Silmarillion Writers Guild. Oh, yeah, sure. 
that kind of broke broke down each subsection so that as I was reading through it, I could get a nice Cliff Notes overview type thing of what I was reading. And it helped me, it helped me a lot more to pin down what I was reading to review those just, they're just, you know, three or four paragraphs about each section, usually maybe a, maybe a page worth of reading. Um, But it really, it was helpful to kind of pin down the story and know what it was that I was going through. So it wasn't, you know, I didn't get tied up in biblical language. That's really how I got through chapter five was going through that and then going back and reading and going back and then again, touching the iPad a lot, trying to (laughs) get those things to pop up and say. Which sounds like an awful euphemism, by the way. Yeah. Awful euphemism, good euphemism, eh, whatever. All point of view. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up. I also recommend that website, and uh, it, it's it's funny. I have been corresponding with them a little bit recently. Mm-hmm. So a shout out to Dawn from the Silmarillion Writers Guild. Uh, I'll let her know that you <laughs> gave her a recommendation. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree with it. My recommendation for these chapters, which I really should have given you, but I've to be honest, I've tried really hard to just let you experience it without me holding your hand mm-hmm. before we get to the chapters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not really a cuddler while I read. So. <laughs> but my recommendation would be, first of all, um, know that there are family trees at the back of the book. <laughs> and so, if you know, if you're recommending this to somebody, maybe you mention that to them. Uh, and then the other thing is um, if you, because it does get annoying to try to flip back and forth and back and forth every time you come on a name uh if you want to have an easier way to keep track of the names pick a character uh and then figure out the um relationships just to that character and so in this Mm -hmm. case feanor he comes and goes he comes in in chapter six and he's gone by like chapter 10 or 11 um but pick i i choose feanor and then I figure out, okay, so his dad is, I think it's Ingwe, and his uh, half-brothers are Fingolfin and Finarfin. Uh, you know, and it helps you get a handle on who these people are and where they fit in the space of the story. Um, and so even if Tolkien isn't going to give you a main character in the Silmarillion, then just force one in anyway whenever mm-hmm. you get the chance uh, so in these chapters it might be Feanor in later chapters it might be Thingol or uh, Turin or whoever mm. but find somebody and and uh, branch out from there right anyway uh, okay cool anything else or should we wrap it up let's wrap up all right so we are done I uh, hope you enjoy our Silmarillion series so far uh, and make sure you go comment on this post or on this uh, episode or others go to the legendariumpodcast.com and make a comment on the uh, the post containing this episode uh, or find us on Facebook or Imsy and we will uh, get your comments there I respond personally I either I uh, usually it's me or it's Ryan will respond to every single comment we get mm-hmm. no matter how long it takes uh, or how much patience it takes sometimes uh, but yeah we'd love to hear from you whatever you have to say and we will see you next week for the continuation of our Brandon Sanderson series we're reading uh, that thing it's called Warbreaker mm-hmm. uh, one of Ryan's favorites I yep. think top three and uh it's gonna be a good episode we'll have more people in studio so you don't have to just listen to the two of us drone i guess if you're still awake by the way oh yeah (laughs) i I think we've got six people left now (laughs) uh but anyway we'll see you for that and uh, we'll be back with our next silmarillion episode in several weeks and we will see you then thanks everybody (laughs) 